Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Tap Calf Transmissions, the only Star Wars podcast where we have had a weekly upgrade of hosts from just me to now me and special guest Ilkin of Kings and Generals. Welcome, Ilkin. How are you doing tonight? I was good until you didn't make the proper uh, greeting. When you uh, name Justin, you give him some kind of like an epithet, so enigmatic egg, something like that. Can I get something like that, please? I mean, I have so much practice with E's that an I is going to be difficult for me, but the, the most, okay, most okay, infamous. infamously illegal co-host in... Nice. Yeah. Justin is Love. still gone, but uh, we have, we've upgraded from him as well. Last week I did some complaining about clickbait on YouTube. This week we're finally getting back to the books. We've heard you loud and clear. Justin can't read, so that's why we have Ilkin here talking about Scourge by Jeff Grubb. So this is one that we kind of skipped over chronologically. It's one of the final Legends books that was released, and Ilkin was telling me he has a lot of a lot of big thoughts for it tonight. So, it, how are you feeling? Are, are you excited? Are you finished the book? I finished the book like five minutes ago. Uh, okay, two minutes ago. Uh, I'm excited about talking to you, I guess, but uh, not about the book per se. All right. Well, before we get into the book, is there any Star Wars news that's been uh, that's been piquing your interest over the last couple of weeks, or any Star Wars topics you want to quickly touch on? Yeah, I I, I heard that uh, Hillary Clinton is finally fired from LucasArts, <laughs> and now that she's gone, we'll get our turn trilogy. Evergreen, evergreen topic that Hillary Clinton, aka Kathleen Kennedy, has been has been fired this time for real. Everyone, like it's. <laughs> It's totally not. Like, eventually, they're going to be. It's, it pisses me off because, like, eventually she is going to retire. She's seventy years old, and they're going to be like, "We called it." It's like, no, no. But whatever. I just, I just find too many like similarities between uh, her and uh, Hillary. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like I hate my bitch mom thing. You mean like the response to them? Yes, like I was thinking about what was going on uh, with uh, DC and with Warner's and that guy. When you say DC, uh, are you talking about like Washington or comics? Comics. I okay. I already I I lost hope for the uh, DC as a political place. Comics, I still have some hopes. So uh, the that guy, what is what was his name? Zaslav, I think. Like the amount of. Uh, Problems he created for the geekdom in general was so big, but like he didn't get even like ten percent of what Ka Caitlin Ka Kennedy is getting. Yeah. Like so I just the other thing with it is like the it people always talk about her in the context of like specific creative decisions, which isn't her job and has never been her job. So eventually she's going to retire, and fundamentally nothing that they're complaining about is going to change. But it doesn't matter because all the people who are like biggest on that, I don't know, on that reporting beat, if you want to call it a reporting beat, are they, they only care about the fact that they can make the video saying this is horrible and it's this person's fault, even regardless of how accurate that is or isn't. And then they just want to make money off of it. But so I guess the biggest news was the recent um, tweet by the Star Wars account with Lando's picture. And uh, it's not clear if it means that they're making a Lando show or just like uh, they are being cheeky in terms of like Lando. Yeah. 
well, there was... before before that, I think what's her face? Uh, I knew is Targaryen. She gave an interview and she said something like uh, she didn't confirm it, but it seems like she's back to being to playing her role in Star Wars. Yeah, she had Amelia Clark had like a, a giggling fit when being asked about. Uh, whether she'd go back to Star Wars rather than just like answering the question or not, I could go either way on what her, uh, what the meaning of that was. Like, it, it's being taken mostly as like, oh, she is, and she's can't say anything about it right now. But I, it was it was not properly answered, so maybe. But I have watched Solo recently. Like recently, it means like three months ago, and honestly. I feel like it was a way better movie than uh, the reception was. Yeah, I... There's not a part of that movie that I think about and think like, oh, I wish that part was over sooner. Like, it was all enjoyable to me. Yeah. It's not like my favorite Star Wars movie, but like... No. I, so with almost every other... Rogue One is my favorite. Okay, same here, actually. I uh, It kind of grew on me from the time I've watched it in uh, the cinema. So now it kind of grew on me. Yeah, like maybe, maybe Andor made it more relevant for me. Yeah, I think it definitely helped in kind of the same way that the Clone Wars has helped people's perception of the prequels, along with like some of the people who didn't like it or who loved it as a kid getting older now and being a bigger part of the conversation. But uh, yeah, so speaking of things that uh, that could happen in in Lando, if it's going to be about the the underworld with Amelia Clark coming back. You know what they do in the underworld in Star Wars? Uh, they cancel games. <laughs> well, that, but also they they sell spice, Ilgin. And oh, you know, you know what else is about spice? Uh, I assume uh, colonization of the uh, Asia. You know what else is about spice in Star Wars? The huts are about spice. Scourge. The book Scourge is about spice by okay, by yeah, Jeff Grubb. I... I was trying to avoid it. So yeah, uh, when have you read it first? Was it your first reading of it? This is my first full reading of it. I've like I know most of the bits of it from having to be aware of them for mod purposes, but I've never actually read the book chronologically and subjected myself to it the whole way through. So this so, this was a new experience for me. You know how I know that you have read it? I was trying to uh, skip reading it and like uh, find wikis, etc. And the wikis are completely empty. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not which, one which that has it? a lot of uh, broader awareness, I think. Yeah, I, I don't remember even he uh, hearing about it before you told me about it last week. So, yeah. Well, the book is from 2012. So it's, it's one of the last Legends books that was released. And... I don't know, there, there's some parts of it that are kind of weird with how it fits into everything else. Because basically, uh, we'll, we'll be going through the book kind of section by section, really getting into the nitty-gritty of, nitty of all of the engaging plot points. But the, the main part of the story, or the, the main overall plot, is that a Jedi from Luke's New Order has gone to a planet to try to investigate some stuff. He ends up dying. His master gets sent to investigate it, and it turns into a whole political intrigue thing in hut space, uh, while also trying to track down the source of a very potent form of spice. So we'll get into what each of those parts mean, but it's uh, it's got a lot going on. But I, I guess my overall impression was it it almost reads like a one of the Young Jedi Knights books, 
exactly but turned into a 300 page novel like it's like, very simple it, my first thought that it was really similar to like uh junior novel other public books yeah like uh put aside like the spice thing and put aside like the murder thing and uh you get a really uh i i'm not trying to say like it's not has serious subject matter but the the reading the writing itself it's yeah kind of again i don't want to say shallow because i checked the author and apparently has like dozens of books mostly in uh forgotten realms so it's not like he was a new writer or something like that but uh he's a bit of a what's of a journey jo- jo- writer so mm. uh he's all over the place he's, he I, I think he wrote star trek star wars uh, uh dragonlance some of it i think yeah and forgotten realms so like all, all over the place in terms of the subjects and I, I think he does know the setting pretty well like there's some deep pulls in this he's pretty willing to engage with the setting but it, it is a bit of bit more of a shallow book which did take me out of it uh like everything was fairly simple a to b to c you could tell what was going to happen the whole way through and I feel like if I were younger, like if I were in my, like at the age I was just getting into Star Wars, I probably actually would have enjoyed the book a lot more. So I think it, it probably is more aimed at a younger audience, even though there are points where there's like purple spice coming out of people's eyes after they die. So maybe not super young, but I'm I think sorry, it's just one. Uh, you would enjoy it more because you were more into drugs when you were younger. Yes, before I, I got into super hard drugs, I would like if I ever wanted to take heroin or something, I would just pull out Scourge and then then I'd probably. Enjoy it. <laughs> it's not that I didn't enjoy it. Like I I didn't dislike the book, but it's definitely kind of a middle of the pack one for me. And I just feel like it would have been a bit higher had I read it when I was younger. So I had this thought, which is kind of unusual for me because usually I'm not like that. Maybe I changed. So the thought was that, uh, OK, none of the main characters are in this book right which means that it has no uh, large implications which means that i don't want to read it and usually i'm not like that uh for instance like recent example are the like high republic books you don't have like luke skywalker or han solo there right but they're still really uh really enjoyable to read to me at least yeah this one, I just didn't get, have that feeling. And uh, then I actually skimmed uh, the wiki a bit. And apparently this book was adapted from like RPG campaign. Yeah, so the, the author's prior or other work with Star Wars tends to be doing RPG supplements and short stories and RPG campaigns. So it does tie into some stuff that's more fleshed out there. Like the CSA, you don't tend to see outside of like the earliest books and then it gets some RPG supplement stuff. Uh, I'm not sure if Angela Crin was introduced in RPG supplements or if she was from the earlier books as well. I don't remember right now. But a lot of this stuff, I, I do think it has like bigger lore implications. I just don't think it has like galaxy-shaking lore imp- implications, and it's obviously not advancing the stories of the main characters as much. But we'll maybe talk about some of that additional lore stuff as we go through. Yeah. So I guess the the book opens up. We have a kind of prologue chapter on Macam T, where uh, one of the newly minted Jedi Knights of Luke's order, Toro Arana, is doing his investigation, and he is 
getting really aggro about stuff. And I actually thought this was handled pretty well because I was thinking the whole time, like, oh, this is a very weird thing for a Jedi to be doing. Like, this is is this someone who just doesn't understand how Jedi are supposed to act and they're doing an action hero Jedi thing. But uh, it turns out that why he's so aggro is part of the mystery of the book. Uh, unfortunately for Toro, he is racist against Swokes Swokes, which are some disgusting aliens from the movies. And then he jumps out a window because he's really high on spice during a fight. Do you have any thoughts about that? Uh, the first part or our, who I thought was going to be our hero, Toro Rana, in his way out the window? Uh, so I agree with you that it was handled better than I initially thought, because initially I thought, like, oh, my God, this is the first Jedi ever. Yeah. Uh, and for a Star Wars book, uh, it's kind of relative for the character to die immediately at the start of the book. Yeah. So I kind of was thinking that, okay, this is the main character and uh, we're going to get some kind of, like, uh, I don't know, uh, dark side redemption style stories mm -hmm. similar to what we're getting in uh, Young Jedi books. Mm -hmm. uh, but no, uh, he dies immediately because he gets to aggro and uh, he fights uh, a bunch of I don't even want to name them. Swokes, Swokes? There were the Swokes, Swokes, but there were also the Rodians. Yeah, so, uh, and again, the situation is, it's written like a, uh, more like a detective story, I guess. Yeah. But uh, as you said, if I was younger, I would have enjoyed it more because the moment I, uh, so there's this moment that the Rodian brings him wine and, uh, I think the moment I read it, I knew immediately that something is wrong with the wine. Right. And that wasn't handled too well, I guess, in my opinion. Yeah, like, it sets it up like it's going to be a bit more of a mystery novel. And I, w I got kind of excited for that thing, like, oh, Mander's going to come in. So the his old master, Mander Zuma, is sent by the New Jedi Order to try to find out what happened with Toro, why he's disappeared, why they haven't heard from him. And I thought it would be framed more as a mystery novel of like Mander finding out what went on, getting to the root of the of the uh, of the spice. But for all the initial mysteries, it kind of just hands you the answer right away. And for the one thing that kind of remains a mystery throughout the book, which is who is the spice lord behind all of this, it's kind of the most obvious possibilities in the world. But I, I do wish there was a bit more that was held back on that front. And I think that's a big part of why I felt it was written more simply. Like, that's what contributes to that feeling, I think. Like, there's a few moments in the books uh, that make it clear to me that it was someone writing not from a story point, story, uh, story writing point of view, but from more like a world-building point of view. Right. Like, there's a bunch of uh, information that you might not need uh, for a story. Like, uh, he explains the difference between various Nikto clans. Like, Niktos are one species and they have a bunch of subspecies. Right. I don't think we have seen that anywhere else or if we have use for it in terms of this story, you know? Yeah, it's usually the kind of thing that's like that is something that's established pretty heavily in like RPG source books and all that. Yes, exactly. And, my point. Like essentially guide alien species, but it's not something that you'd really see in a book that isn't like James Lucino's, 
But usually James Lucino is a bit better at working that stuff into the background rather than it kind of taking precedence over a story just because the story is relatively shallow. Then he goes with explanation of the Hatis money. So it's like entire yes. like two paragraphs explaining uh, the difference between Hatis money and uh, yeah. the public credits and how they ex- what is exchange rate, etc. How many whoopie whoopies to a yes. Trumpa Wumba? <laughs> yeah. And I kind of think that okay, uh, this might be interesting, like in terms of lore, but it's not really makes sense in terms of the story itself. Well. Part of what took me out of it with that is with the the specific case you're talking about, he does explain, like, there's this many, I think it was whoopie whoopie to, to credits yeah. and, like, how many of the, each little sub thing to get back to however many credits to find the exact exchange rate. But he goes Listen, one step further are, than he needs right. to. You You can't say some of these words, you know? When you say them, they sound really racist, so yeah. you shouldn't be saying them. I'm sorry. Uh, Go ahead. But, yeah, the... He he goes to a, he goes one step further than he needs to because the the final stage that he mentions is divisible by the same amount. Yeah. Like you'd be able to get to like ten to one rather than forty to four or something that he does uh-huh. instead. And that kind of thing just took me out because like you're getting bogged down in these details, but then the details are being done weirdly. It's kind of like having all of the Hutties in this book, and it's all. It, it it's all the most ridiculous way to do the language. Because it has like the line of Hutties, then the translated thing, and it's like the translated one is, oh, I could tell that he meant he was going to kill me. And the Hutties line was, je kill yo. <laughs> like, yeah. I speak French, I understand this. So you mean the French are hot? No, I mean, I je know. is a, a French word that they put into Hutties, and kill yo is suspiciously similar to the English words kill you. So, Jaquilio, using my Canadian upbringing, I recognize as being I kill you in Hutties, apparently. <laughs> and every line is like that. Every Hutties line has something in it. So, you think it was used to, like, kind of pad up the number of pages? It, it definitely wasn't used to expand upon Hutties <laughs> as an interesting language. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, in and, general, okay, my lord. Yes, everyone's saying my lord. <laughs> now it's a they're Italian. <laughs> I, I can say really that I'm Italian. Felt, it's fine. I really felt that uh, each hut uh, having different race as a entourage was a bit weird. Like uh, it's it's really had that feeling of like a video game, if you know what I mean. Right. So, like, there's uh, four main huts. One of them has no entourage, and three of them has different... One of them has Nyctos, one of them has Wookiees, and one of them has Twi'leks yeah. as entourage. And it's just... <laughs> I'm not saying that it's a problem, but it's really, like... <laughs> st- what did you remember? No, I just, just... You're really stepping around calling the, the segregated hut racist society out here. I actually... Uh, had that question for you. So uh, there's this uh, Jedi hut in one of the older books. Yeah, Beldorian, Beldorian in uh, Planet of Twilight, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I think that's the only example of a hut Jedi or post user. I don't remember another one. Maybe there's someone in like Old Republic I don't remember. That's definitely the, the only one that comes to mind, yeah. It's the, yeah. He's the biggest and, character. And so... Uh, 
in this book, they basically say that huts can be can't become a Jedi. And I has I had this uh, question. I was questioning myself. Okay, uh, why can every race uh, use the Force more or less, but not huts? And this book uh, comes in terms of chronology, like uh, right before the Yuzhan Vong War. Yes, and this idea was in my head that uh, because the huts kind of destroyed their own planet and then uh, this uh, took over as a racist planet and destroyed it too, etc., etc., because of their like um, glutinous nature, force is not even seeing them, you know. So you're thinking it's almost like the Yuzan Vong where they're being yes. punished for being bad little yes, boys. Yes, 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 yes. That's that was what I was thinking. Yeah, the... it it kind of was uh, a weird feeling that they kind of forgot about Bill Dorian completely, and then I think that Bill Dorian was. Um, I think in that book it says that he was taken from his family when he was very young, so that's why maybe he was not like part of the hot race large. Mm. Like, I think there's a more interesting way to frame it than they typically do, where it could be a thing where like. The huts do have some amount of force sensitivity that pops up in their population, even if it is rare for mm. probably similar reasons to the Wookiees where just George Lucas didn't want them to. But then it's like the societal separation between hut space and the rest of the galaxy that prevents them from acting on it, which they kind of go with here a bit, but they try to make it a bit more of a racial essentialism thing, even yeah. with Mika, where it's like, oh, well, I could never possibly be a hut. And I, I thought they were trying to subvert a bit of the huts always suck thing and they're like, no, huts do always they suck. They actually do. They yeah. actually orcs. Yeah, they they can only like eat chip and lie. That's yeah. it. It is kind of weird because Toro, uh, sorry, Mika, which is the, who turns out to be the Spice Lord, uh, he has one of his uh, underlings, Koax, who I thought would be a much bigger character, but then just literally dies in another room off screen. Because uh, she gets some point of view chapters, but we never really deal with her properly. But Koax gets Toro's lightsaber for Mika. And I, I guess it's supposed to be theoretically one of the mysteries of, like, where did Toro's lightsaber go? It doesn't really get... Like, no one seems to care about it that much until Mika turns up with it. But Mika makes a Twi'lek use it instead of him. It's like, oh, I could never figure this thing out, so I made someone else do it. But then he's using, a, like, an Electro Staff like it's nothing. So Beldorian could do it. Why can't Mika do it? I don't know. It, I guess, Yoke, uh, tell me. Uh, I am now expert on hearts because I'm yes. fat. <laughs> no. <laughs> Why do you always try to do this to me? I don't know. I, I really like you, and when I like someone, I, I okay. do that. Justin's never said that on the podcast. That's, that's, that's nice. Uh, you're a great guy. I, I really like you. Uh, so, uh, jokes aside, that was a joke, right? Yes, uh, that's great. So... Another feeling that I have about this book is that they use spice uh, in Star Wars to mean like anything. Yes, it's any drug is, is spice. It's any any drug is spice, and like uh, it's a bit unquantifiable, I guess is the word, uh, because like it can be something uh, like I don't know Tylenol, and it can be something like a methamphetamine. You know, like yeah. uh, I mean, but methamphetamine. Tylenol can be a methamphetamine. Okay. You can use it with Now you're saying that you have you have experience in uh, cooking too. Okay. No, just like it, 
not legally, not like we're not putting that out there, but you never know who's listening. Like there's people. I think I think it's uh rather than coming up with a bunch of different names for substances, you can have it as like a an opiate situation where there's a wide range of stuff there with some some medical properties that are useful, but then also uh that's where you get some of the hardest drugs as well. So if you just it sounds nice and sci-fi, they can piggyback off Dune for it as well. So it it, it goes it goes well in sci-fi. What was the first uh time they used the word spice in Star Wars? Do you know that? I think that it's said in episode four, isn't it? Like it might spice? be in the Right, right, right. Uh Han Solo drops spice, but we are not told that spice uh, means drugs. It's uh yeah, but then there was a there was a thing I actually did a video on it once where uh, Lucasfilm Publishing was trying to make some author drop the implication that it was drugs because he like called it out as drugs in the book, and it, they went back and forth on it for a while, and then one of them was like, "Okay, we need to call George," and George's response was like, "Of course it's a fucking drug." <laughs> so he he thought it was obvious, but. Uh, you can say anything you want about George Lucas, but. Sometimes he has his moments, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, he, you, you, can, you can think about him like someone you can have a beer with, you know? I know this is a trope with, like, uh, American politicians, but, yeah. I feel like Lucas is someone you can talk to, really. Not you or me, but, you know, what I mean. You, royal you. Yes, royal me. We're still <laughs> plebs, but someone could talk to him. Uh, so I really liked the, our main character, Mandazuma. Uh, his name sounds like Mandazuma for some reason, but I, <laughs> I really like, I really like him. And, uh, it was kind of nice to have like a, uh, different type of Jedi. Right. I don't know what were they trying to do in terms of, um, like the idea of just one Jedi, uh, investigating the death of a Jedi. Is a bit sketchy to me because, like, if a Jedi is killed, you need at least a few Jedi to investigate. Blah blah blah. They're spread so thin at this point. That's true. That's that's true. one of the things that I thought was kind of weird. Is like, Toro and Mander have been in the Order. It's nineteen ABY. They've been. It's been like seven years since the Jedi Academy trilogy, and uh -huh. Mander's been fully trained and has also fully trained Toro, who has had a year or two off on his own. So and Mander was uh, Tion's Tion's apprentice. Uh, yes. Tion. Do we know when she finished her uh, apprenticeship education? It must have been pretty quick, because like, was it one year with her? Then Mander becomes a knight. Then he has a year with Toro. Then Toro becomes a knight, and then we're basically here. They're even talking about a Jedi Council in this, and the Jedi Council doesn't come in for another eight years. You know what they are not talking about? Kip Durin. Luke Skywalker, like uh, he's mentioned. See, no, he's not mentioned. He's mentioned by implication. Okay, his mentioned... Mander says, "My master's My master's master, master, but not Obi like the name." So yeah. the only Jedi that is mentioned that we know about is uh, Tion Solis. Yes, and it's kind of interesting because, as you said, uh, this book was written at the end of the uh, before the Disney bought out Lucas. Yes, so I. Really wonder if there was like some kind of idea here is to uh, decouple everything. I guess. Uh, I think. Not I think that probably isn't the case because some of the 
first canon books, like the Tarkin novel, and I think oh. that came out in 2014, were written, intended as legend stuff, so that's two years later. I don't think there was any oh. indication that they'd be resetting in 2012 yet, so I don't think that would be why. I think there was there was definitely an attempt to like tell a story that was like a standalone thing and not connected to the original characters as much, but I don't think the reset is why. As I, but as I said, I really like that he, it's a different kind of Jedi. He's an yeah. alchemist. Uh, he's not... Like, in, in the Legends, at some point, we start getting, like, every Jedi is kept doing basically. Right. Uh, maybe not in disposition or uh, character, but in terms of skill set, in terms of, like, uh, they are all pilots, they're all... Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, great swordsman, etc., etc., uh, and I I kind of understand that because like Luke is Luke is the one who has been teaching this group, right? So yeah. obviously they will have some kind of resemblance to his skill set. Uh, at the same time, they kind of start melding together into one like group. Like if it's an RPG, we can call them uh, one class, I guess. And uh, Mander is really different. He's a librarian. He uh, is not a good uh, lightsaber user. He can't fly ship. Uh, he doesn't want to use uh, force too much. So, like, he's yeah, a different point. Uh And I kind of liked it, to be honest. Especially, uh, like, we know what happens chronologically. Uh, Immediately after, we start getting uh, this superhero-style Jedi's. Yeah, and this was a like a uh, fresh air, I guess. A bit of a difference, a bit of a uh, novelty to the Jedi. Yeah, it, it probably means though that Mander was absolutely murdered in the Yuuzhan Vong War, though. Yeah, immediately, like uh, on the first day. First day, <laughs> he yeah, was first day. He, he was on Helska looking for some stuff, and he just blew up. <laughs> yeah. But, but he... uh, I also read, wrote this down that uh, the fact that Luke's Jedi are so bad at their job is probably the most realistic thing about the EU. <laughs> like, yeah. they comp- like they had, what, 20 years, 25 years to build like an order and uh, obviously Luke had his own um, problems when he started because he, he, held, he, he calls himself a master at, in this episode 6. But he's not, right? He has not completed his training, etc., etc. Yoda so, and Obi-Wan just lied to him about literally everything, which makes it yeah, difficult so, to have a really good, well-formed worldview. So I guess uh, them being awful makes sense. Yeah. So, Speaking of uh, him being awful, though, right after his introduction, before we meet, uh, before we even meet our other main characters, Eddie Bray, which is basically just horse sound, McHorse sound, for uh-huh. Abothan, which I think is kind of a racist name to have given him, and Rimarana, Toro's sister, we have the crime scene investigation that Zuma does. And despite the fact that he's like... I have a question, I'm sorry. Do you, f- do you think uh, Rin and Eddie are doing it? I hadn't considered that, but now that you bring it up, absolutely. Have you this feeling that... There are two types of buttons in Star Wars. Either like uh, Bosque failure type, like corrupt bureaucrats, or like sexual, sexualized, like uh, whatever. 
the it's basically the story about the person who fucks the horse is what you're saying that's yes, what eddie's there for look i don't i don't appreciate that you're trying to like reduce eddie's character to just that eddie no, i like eddie as a character I'm, but I'm, not because I'm i want calling, like furry fan art of him i know you I'm were calling, looking up fan art of the characters in this book because you sent yes, me this like edward cullen yes, painted as yes, toro arana yes. and didn't seem to realize it was something that was on a, a fake wiki but I, I maybe you maybe you were just looking for all of the characters. I don't know what you were doing. Okay, I, I'm not hearing a, I'm not I'm not hearing I'm, any. I'm shook. I'm shook. I wasn't expecting this. Okay. Well. Yeah. I'll let you. So, I'll let uh, you process that. Go ahead. So uh, we see that uh, because in the canteen, uh, one of the audience was killed. They kind of start uh, having this grudge against the Jedi in general. Yes. And they're probably hired by the villain uh, to stop the investigation. So they attack uh, uh, they attack Mander and uh, that will where we meet Rin and uh, Eddie, Eddie. And yes. that's where we see that uh, Mander is not really up to fighting because uh, I think one of the first things he says that uh, He's not good with deflating blaster balls. Yeah, he's supposed to not be particularly good at lightsabering yeah. in general. He's uncomfortable with his, but it he he seems to do fine for the rest of the book, to be honest. Yeah, he starts out slow, but then he gets into it. Yeah. What he's not good at, though, is investigating crimes, despite being an archivist. Because he finds Toro's body, he analyzes it a little bit, Realizes he's not great with uh, with Pantoran biology. Finds the weird crust from that turns out to be from the Tempest spice, and then burns the body and the evidence. Doesn't get anyone else to examine it. Doesn't send it back to the temple for analysis. Doesn't consult a doctor. Just like, hmm, that's weird. Burn it. <laughs> I think that's a questionable choice, personally. Well, I I think there's not enough time to send stuff back because he's that almost immediately afterwards but yeah i uh there's some stuff that are here for the sake of convenience i guess yeah they don't want to take the body around maybe rodians would eat it i don't know if there's a threat like a <laughs> but the the bomu clan is actually in uh a much older rpg thing so they're they're used a fair bit, and I'm not sure was Tempest Feud written by Jeff Grubb. It was so what like ten years before this came out, the Bomu Clan was actually introduced by Jeff Grubb in a different short story. So this was a long time in the making. Very okay. impressive. That's not relevant to anything. I was just bringing it up for my yeah. own health. Uh some some of the stuff we learned for the first time that uh, basically Rodians are really are living in clans and uh, revenge is one of the drivers, I guess, for them. So because uh, a bunch of them are killed by Mander and by Rin and by Eddie, uh, they decide to continue pursuing them. And that's where we learn about, what was her name? Koye? Angela Crin, no, CSA no, no. officer? The the um, person. Oh, coax, coax. Oh yeah, coax. Yeah, that's why we learn that uh, someone is uh, manipulating uh, the Rodians in order to continue attacking the Jedi. 
Yes. But from... and uh, the reason uh, the reason what's his face Toro was on the uh, investigating, he was negotiating with the huts, and he was trying to learn about the hyper space lanes. Yes, the Indrexu spiral, uh, a which path through says there, nothing to me. which says nothing to me as usual. And uh, his master decides to conclude the uh, negotiations, so he goes to the hot clan Angelic, right? Angelic? Yeah, the Angelics. Angelic. And its leader, um, what's his face? Popara? Are you sure? Yes. Popara, Popara yeah. Angelic. So uh, we, go, we go to him and we uh, continues the negotiation and uh, this Popara um, so he's shown like a um, benevolent or relatively benevolent hut because like he's trading spies but he's not trading uh, hard drugs uh, he talks about uh, trying to help the planet afflicted with the pandemic etc etc but at the same time, we learn that he has two children. Uh, I don't know if it, we should call them sons or not. Yeah, children uh, is fine. Zonos and Micah. Micah. And Zonos is shown like a, your usual hot type. Uh, he's shown as someone, well, you know, glutinous, uh, power-hungry, greedy, etc., etc. But Mika friends with Wookiees, which is nice. Yeah. I guess Wookiees like... Uh, what was his name? Black? Uh, Chrysanthemum? Chrysanthemum, yeah. Santi? Yeah. Uh, and the Mika is shown more... Uh, I wouldn't say kind, but uh, more business-minded and, like, cooperative. Yeah. He's, he's almost shown as, like, any other human character would be, but, like, a bit more business-minded. Like, he yeah. doesn't come across as a standard hut at all, at first. But I did think it was weird for them to spoil what was going to happen to Papara. Did they? Did yeah, that? like, they named him Papara, and that's what he did. He popped. I, I remember that I have something to do. Can we... Uh, <laughs> can you not? Okay, that's fine. I won't. So Popara, who is going to pop Ara, uh, he asks uh, the Jedi and his entourage to travel to the planet called... Andragad. So they're given the... Uh, so Mander is given the coordinates to get through the Indrexu spiral to get to Andragad, because they're supposed to rescue Micah, who is on the planet's surface. But on the way there, they come across a CSA blockade, which is just like the one ship that is out here, even though it's not really their planet, they're enforcing the blockade to make sure no one gets in and out with this horrible plague. Uh, but they're bringing some medical supplies, they get to be friendly with the CSA commander, Angela, they have some dinners together, and then they go down to the surface. Uh, and this is where this is where the whoopee whoopee conversion came in. But we already talked about that. Yeah, I don't think we should discuss forks again on this call. Um... So that's where they're attacked by another group uh, afflicted by Tempest. Yes. 
And uh, when they escape the pursuit, uh, they come across. Uh, uh, so, okay, I missed that. Uh, when the like the illness starts on the planet, uh, the locals, I think, majority are humans. They start attacking like uh, other races. Yeah, everyone's just super high and yeah, have and a that drives Micah and his entourage outside of the city. Yes. Uh, that's where the Jedi finds them. Along and, with the crashed ship, which Micah yes, was near, ship. and they found out like the plague and the drugs were all connected to that, so it, it's a little suspicious already. Things are really starting to not come together for Mander, who doesn't figure out that this is in any way suspicious yet. He actually is slow, and uh, at the end of the book he says that uh, I don't get everything correct at the start, but eventually I get it. Yeah, it's really not the best quality for an archivist. Not at all. He's not great at combat, so they put him in the library. But then it turns out he can't read either. So it it's just a it's just a, a sad day for Mander. Also, they, sad day for Jedi and Luke Skywalker. Well, I've never heard Luke utter Mander's name once, so he's that's why. That's the reason why. He's a sad one. He was never brought up in the discussion of like who should well, be on the council. He wasn't angry. He was like just disappointed. You know? Yeah. They, it's nice that we're getting a story about one of the mediocre Jedi. <laughs> yeah, makes me hopeful. They did manage to escape back to Hut Space with the CSA in trailing them. Because uh, the CSA was surprisingly not thrilled with their blockade being run. Uh, but once they've brought Micah back. Unfortunately, that's when Papara pops. They have a nice dinner. Everyone gets mad at them. They have to escape. Sonos dies. It's a it's a very action-packed part of the book. That whole sequence from Papara exploding at their dinner to celebrate Micah being back right to the point when they have uh, they've gone down to the surface of... like They're on Nar Shaddaa at that point. And they made a big deal throughout the book of, like, the Hut homeworld of Varl was destroyed. They went to Nalhada, forced the Evokai off the planet. They're thought to be extinct. But then a bunch just show up, and I was like, oh my god, this is going to be a big deal for the rest of the book. Never mentioned again. This yeah. little family of Evokai helps them a bit. They help dies and service are gone. Yeah, it, it just... It, it felt a little bit like a, a... A little bit of a tease that never really got paid off. Uh, and also, I felt at this point that it's a bit too action-packed. Yeah, like it wasn't... Action is a bit, a bit forced, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, coming back from Andragad to the point where Mander shoots Reem to get her out of Zonos's clutches, it all kind of mixes together, but it's, you know... Well, Keelhaul, it's not like payoff for like the specific characters in the book. It's like it's made it to seem like there's a it's a big deal that these species are around and then they're just gone. It's like it, this is this is a thing that would be like of galactic importance that this species is still around and they just kind of pop up for a cameo. Yeah, so basically they were genocided and at some point we are told that okay, some of them are alive and then nope. Yeah, like, Mander isn't, like, noting this down for a thing to maybe bring up with the Jedi later, help them a little bit. It's just, like... 
Because I, I think when they get mentioned in NJO, they're even talking about how, like, oh, well, it's a shame that they're all dead now, that the Huts killed them all. Like, they, But Mander knows. Mander <laughs> knows they're out there. Oh, that's always a problem with, uh, like, lore, right? Uh, the more you have, uh, the more uh, mistakes pop up. It's just all Mander's fault is what we're getting to. And as the older child of Popara is killed, they think uh, that the main villain was um, Popara's. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Eldest? Not, not. Uh, child? Uh, Vago. Oh. Uh... Adopti. Adopti. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what Vago's like official title was. She's she's kind of like a viceroy. I don't know. But yeah, they do end up suspecting that Zanos, or sorry, that Vago is responsible as the Spice Lord. So they they start planning uh, how they're going to take down the Spice Lord. Reem has to be brought back on board because she doesn't trust uh, Mander after Mander decided to shoot her to get her out of Zanos's clutches. But uh, they managed to work that out. Everyone, it seems like we've got a, a big crack team of Micah, uh, Angela Crin, Mander, Reem, and Eddie. But we finally got some interpersonal conflict between the two. Uh, he manages to smooth it over. And they also figure out that the spice, the Tempest, is being made by exposing regular spice to the atmosphere on Varl. So they start planning an insertion mission to go after Vago. And that's where they learned that the main culprit was actually Mika. Which was Mika? the least shocking thing ever. I did yeah. message you... The on... moment... Yeah, the moment... Uh, um, there was the, the scene uh, on the... Like, um, what was the pandemic planet? Uh, Undergad. Undergad. Undergad? Undergad. Okay, whatever. So, uh, there's a scene where... Uh, an assassin or something tries to kill uh, Micah with a yeah. blaster, and like he's not seeing danger, but he still like uh, avoids the blaster shot. Yeah. And that moment, I realized that okay, uh, this art is at least uh, force sensitive to an extent. And he and... does get some some time with Mander where they kind of bond over it. So he wasn't yeah. keeping that part a secret from them. Which. Obviously, uh, by the end of the book, which uh, made me question why was he really trying to uh, keep playing the game? Right. Because at some point, he basically invites a Jedi into the uh, the whole thing. Right. And even when they're fighting, uh, there's this moment he's like, I thought that I made a mistake with... Uh, Toro, but I can't control you, blah, 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 etc. But for me, uh, Micah uh, not hiding when he sees a new Je Jedi arriving makes no sense. I would expect a heart to be more um, better in terms of like self-preservation. Yeah, like I think it would have worked a bit better if they had shown it more as like he wanted Zonos out of the way, but instead yeah. it's portrayed as like, Zonos was wanted to be there anyways. So, like, I think you can solve any of the issues with Mander by just saying, like, he brought the Jedi in to do that, rather than, I guess, he brought Mander in because he thought he could 
turn him into a pet like he wanted to do with Toro. It it doesn't really, yeah, the motivations don't end up there. And that's where uh, during the fight we learned that Toro actually was training Micah in Force, which uh, honestly, uh, the director explained it like uh, Toro was this ambitious young man and he uh, wanted to have his own apprentice to show that he's a real Jedi Knight, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. But to me, it doesn't make too much sense because at this point, uh, the order should be in some kind of. Um, there should be a better structure, I, and I think there is a better structure. We see at the start of NGO that there is a better structure already. Uh, so I would no. I don't know if I agree with so. that because, like, the big problem at the start of the NGO is that they're all off doing their own thing. Like, they're not answerable to Luke. Like, Worth Skitter is off, like, skimming the Viscount with his X-Wing on his own. Kip is out just raiding smugglers or whatever he's doing. And But in terms of, like, uh, apprentice training, they are kind of on the same page, no? It doesn't seem like it from the stuff we hear about. Like, some of them go back to go back to Yavin for their own training. But it seems like there is a lot of just Jedi going out doing like an each one teach one kind of situation rather than uh, a actually, centralized yeah, right. structure. Now that I think about it, Seba Sebatine yeah. uh, is taught by Elisa. Uh, yeah. And there's like basically an offshoot of a Jedi order somewhere else. Yeah, there's a bunch of like individuals. It's it's yeah. not 100% common. Like it's not standard practice necessarily, but it's not even like a frowned upon kind of thing. It's just what a lot of people end up doing, especially the more independently minded, which Toro seemed to be. Because Jason's whole thing at the start was like, all the Jedi should be out learning to be a Jedi on their own terms. And he didn't agree with Luke trying to do the Jedi Council to bring everyone more in like that. And it becomes more clear over the course of the books, or they try to set it up as if it becomes more clear over the course of the books, that they need a Jedi Council, they need some sort of central structure. So did you understand why uh, Micah was able to learn some Jedi skills, but not the others? I think he's just a liar and kind of lazy, maybe. Like, I don't think there was okay. actually anything that was stopping him from doing it. He just hadn't mastered it yet. Because he was lying to everyone his, about a lot of stuff. Point of, from his point of view, it seems like he can use the mind trick because that's what the Huts do yeah. in their normal life. Like, dominating someone. Yeah. Like, there's an entire uh, uh, subplot about the mind trick in general. Like uh, Rana, uh, who only seen Jedi in the movies, she's like, can you use mind trick? And he's like, a mind trick is a bad idea. And then there's yeah. a uh, point where uh, Mander and uh, Toro are training, and Toro is trying to use mind trick during the duel. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it's, it's, there's like five, six moments when mind trick comes up. Yeah. And then at the end, when the Micah and Manda are dueling, uh, for two or three times, Micah tries to use the uh, uh, mind trick on him. Yeah. And like to me, it seemed like it he can use it just because uh, that's what the hearts are doing all the time. Yeah. So like the author is trying to make a point that mind trick is actually not a good thing to do. Yeah, like I actually liked how that was handled for the most part. Like I thought the way he described the mind trick at the start and like why it can be a dangerous thing made a lot of sense. Yeah, and I thought I like that was an interesting too. thing. Uh, the, idea, I, the idea is that if you 
uh, use it, you kind of break someone's mind. Mm -hmm. Like, you can use it in something like passing things, which can be easily explained away. Yeah. Or you can, let's say someone hates you and you tell them, love me. Like, that changes the entire uh, base of why they hated you, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it makes sense that it breaks the mind because the mind can't comprehend why at some point without any logic, without any, like, something happening, uh, the mind is changed into another state. Yeah, like, it has to be something they're never going to think of again or else you're causing some serious yeah. cognitive dissonance that's going to destroy their brain, which I think retroactively really helps with Jason in explaining why he's so fucked up and everything he's doing from the point of traitor on. Because Jason's always kind of messing with people's memories, and it helps show him in a slightly darker light earlier, which I think his story benefits from if you're trying to adjust for the the whole thing. But I do think you're right with, uh, like, that's why we're getting it so emphasized with Micah, because, like, obviously it's Hutt's mind trick, all oh, their... I can use this, but not on my people. And people who are around me who aren't my people would already do what I say anyways. What a what a curse I've got. But there's there was also a lot of like Micah trying to downplay their abilities in every other situation so to not seem like a threat. So I'm not sure that it would be a case where they were never actually capable of using the other powers. I think it was more of... You could definitely read it either way of like, I can't learn the other powers or I can never be a Jedi because it's not in my nature. But I'm not sure what the intended one there was. And then we see the line that I really like, something like, there's so much stuff in the universe that can stop a lightsaber. Yeah. Rick. Which, which makes sense to me, to be honest, because... Uh, like, if you're a bad guy, and you know that they're a Jedi, you will probably spend some time trying to find something that stops your lightsaber, yeah. won't you? Like, it makes so much sense. Uh, and in this case, I think uh, there's an element called, is that Freak? Yes, Freak. Freak. And he also uses something from the Mandalorian armor. Uh, Mandalorian iron, I mean. Yeah, there's the Beskar with the, the hut, like the shell hut they have that has the... Yeah. It makes sense, uh, but at the same time, uh, it doesn't come up in the lore enough times to be used here, I feel like. Yeah, I'm... It's the kind of stuff that the huts would have the best access to, especially one okay. that's trying to lure in a Jedi specifically. Like I feel I think that fits the for the for the Frick especially, it fits as something that uh Micah would have been planning around, right? Because his whole thing was I want a lightsaber. How do I get a lightsaber? I'm gonna need something that I can fight a lightsaber with. So I I don't think it's too weird that it comes up here. I do think it is a bit weird that we get Two different instances of materials coming up here, with the shell hut being in the same like chapters. Yeah, that is a bit much. But the frick alone—you pick one, you're fine. Doing both of them in that situation was a was a bit much. Uh, and after reading this, I kind of 
Okay, this will be bad. I remember I told you that I'm going to erase this in this call. No, oh, no. That's the moment you can kick me out. I, you have like five seconds. Uh, so, I the way they're showing the hearts, it's like they are they basically have to be destroyed, you know. And then Yuzhan Wong obviously destroys them completely. Not completely, but you know what I mean. Yeah, it makes them remilitarize. Actually, it makes them a bigger problem. Yeah. So I. Yeah, like it, it does reinforce all of the negative stuff that Reem is saying. It's just like, okay, we can kind of work with Voga. Papara seemed okay, but even he was still a dick. Like it's very. They all suck. You can just cooperate with some of them sometimes. The one we thought was going to be more reasonable outside of that context is actually the worst of them all. And then we see CSA for the first time since the old Han Solo book, right? Uh, they they get mentioned in books a bit, but like this is one of the first books to really focus on them since those, yeah. Because usually it's just yeah. like in the background, in the NJO, they're said saying like, "Oh, they're still out there somewhere. They're cut off," but they never actually do anything. Yeah, and. They're probably like, uh, we are participating in this story without Han Solo. How come? Should we even be here? <laughs> so your your big suggestion for the book is uh, add Han Solo in here, right? No, my big suggestion for the book is to slow down the action in the uh, in the last third of the book, number one. Number two, write a better book. Uh, Number three, I think the villain has a um, clear goal, but he does it in a stupid way. Yeah. Like, at a at point uh, where a Jedi is involved, you basically have to take a step back and hide for a moment. I think we just needed a better, a better Patsy. Like, Voga is the Patsy. You kind of always knew. If it, if it did turn out to be Voga, that's the most straightforward book possible and it was like nothing really changed after the first or in the last 80 pages so like the even more obvious thing at that point is that it is Micah so I think there needed to be a bit more of like covering of his tracks to make it more reasonable to believe it was anyone else at any point yeah that makes sense but with all that in mind uh, where if you were to give this book a letter grade on the D to S tier or F to S tier. Where are you where are you throwing it? So uh can I ask you to show uh the uh scores that you already have on screen so I can uh, I can see if I can pull that up. You know what I mean, right? I, I would like yeah. to like uh, So Justin gave this book a C. I we asked him that last week and I think it was a C. Uh if you click on if you do you have the stream open? Yes. So if you look into the <laughs> In the description, there should be a bit.ly link for the TapCap tier list. Yeah, I see it. Give me and... a moment. I'll just, I'll just check, and that will. So six means S. Okay. Why do you do it like that? Uh, it's just it was the easiest way for Justin to set up the thing as a readable. Like he didn't know how to do a key for it to put the actual letters and then get the averages, because you can't average letters directly in the spreadsheet. So that's why he did it. Uh, can we badmouth Justin on, on stream? 
If you want. Uh, he will not listen, you. right? Oh, th there's no way. No way he's listening, right? I can't say whatever I want, right? Hmm. Absolutely. You can try to poach Zach. You can try to poach an egg. I don't know. You can say whatever you want. He He's not going to hear it. Okay. Um, I just... The same reason uh, why Mander is a librarian. <laughs> okay. The, don't don't talk about my That's friend. too much, don't, right? Don't talk about my friend. <laughs> okay. Again, let me take a look. You miss it. Does uh... this not update... Automatically? Oh, okay. Master episode list is what you'll want to look at. Okay. Uh, Tusat Bakura free. Oof. I kind of like Tusat Bakura. Oof. Okay. Uh... So I so Justin is giving the book a C. That's what he said last week. Uh, I think I'm joining him at C. Where I enjoyed the book, it was fine. It's not really one that I'm uh, that I'm gagging to revisit at any point in the future. Uh, fun journey, not the best, not the worst. It's going. So my problem is that form. I actually think that it's Bus and Tuzat Bakura. Okay, I mean you don't have to agree with our rankings though. Like if it, okay, I it's C minus. You're giving it a C minus. All right, so we're all we're all on C there. Which other books were you on for? You were on for Vector Prime and Star by Star, right? Yes. Vector Prime is a solid S for me, and Star by Star is probably A minus, something like that. Okay, so this is this is the worst of your three. You didn't do anything before NJO. Didn't we do one of the High Republic books? I think we did. Uh, Yeah, that sounds right. I don't know if we asked you about your opinion on the High Republic on a sh episode about... So I was or... I was here just just talking and had well I can't impact. remember if the topic of the episode was that High Republic book or if we were it watching was, a show think, and then after. I think okay. it was I think it was all right I think it was the second uh, it was the second adult book so was that uh, Rising Storm is I it the one so. where Loden turns into rocks yes that's the one or was it Into the Dark. The, no, the, the one he is uh, becomes high. Becomes high. Stopped. Okay. Yes. Then that was. Then that would have moves, been rising. Moves to, moves to Saudi Arabia. Sorry. Okay. All right. So we're we're all on board with the seas for for scourge. I'm gonna have to update this uh, this sheet a little bit. I've gone a while without putting in some stuff. Uh, but we do have a question or two before we say goodbye for the night. Uh, we have from Joel asking, why do you think Legends was far more positive at the time for the institutions of the New Republic and the galaxy compared to the new canon, which seems to focus more on individuals, communities, and society overall? Think about your video about the NJO and sequel trilogy when writing this question. Is that true? Like, uh, we see so much uh, Republic corruption, corrupted, uh, useless bureaucrats, etc., in the old EU, don't we? Yeah, I don't think it was particularly positive about the New Republic, but like I, the main book, the main book uh, with the New Republic uh, we have in the new EU is uh, Bloodlines, I think. Yeah, uh, some of them, some of the aftermath books have star some Republic stuff. I guess the Bloodlines really portrays the Republic in a very bad way. Mm -hmm. Seamus is saying I, you were on for Into the Dark, the first young adult book, not the Rising Storm. Okay. I, I'm going to trust uh, Seamus over us on this. 
Yes, I, I was probably high at that point and stoned. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, sorry, so, uh, I feel like uh, The Bloodlines is the main book that portrays the Republic, and yes, it's kind of like worse even than what Borsk Feria was doing in the Legends. So I can, I can see that. So, uh, go ahead, so, sorry. I think the... I think it's less about being more less positive about the New Republic than just what the political themes in broader culture were at the time. Like, we've gotten more into a focus on uh, mutual aid type stuff, communities, with the last few years. There's been more of an understanding that people will be able to go outside of institutions to have some sort of change happen. Whereas I think the late 90s, if you had to frame it in some kind of IR framework, you're looking at more people who just assume liberalism is, like liberal institutionalism is what everything is involved in. So then you have the institutions either being corrupt or functional or not, but the institutions are still what you're looking at. Whereas now it's less that. So I don't think it's necessarily more positive about those institutions in the Legends period. It's just a stronger assumption that the institutions will be there, which we don't take for granted as much anymore. Okay. I feel like uh, if you look even at the movies of uh, Rogue One and Andor and, uh, and uh, the solo movie, they both have this uh, mutual assistance thing yeah. uh, ingrained, I guess. Like, even, even there, you see, like, uh, the rebellion being a bit, like, I wouldn't say weak, but uh, bureaucratic is the way to put it, I guess. And then uh, Iraq, that group of rebels, still continue fighting, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I can't say that. Why? Yeah, I, I agree that uh, we, ha we have a different disposition, uh, like, in the real world. Uh, I think there was a poll recently that especially young people are, I wouldn't say moving left, but uh, are more open to the idea of like, uh, that statism is not ideal. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think it even necessarily has to be a conclusion about like, what the results or what the policy positions or ideology behind it would be. Like, whether you're moving towards an idea that, like, mutual aid is a good thing or not, which I think Star Wars very much takes the opinion that, like, yes, this is a good thing, which is more, uh, like, it's coming at that from more of a leftist position. But it's a, it's a bigger difference in how it's all framed. And there, there was definitely a lot more... Like, towards the end of the NJO and getting into the last part of Legends, there were a lot of authors who would have described themselves as Republicans in the 90s. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's not an assumption on my part. Like, Troy Denning is very open about, like, uh, he, he would call himself a never-Trumper conservative. Like, he was a Republican. And I think still within that, there is the... Like, you can see a lot of that coming out in his work in the end of legends uh and i don't know how much more we can really say about that without being more prepared on the specific topic of it but oh yeah it's like uh, 
modern Star Wars autos are leaning more left, For sure. I guess, is, is the easiest way to put it. And when I say left, I don't mean like liberal, I mean like leftist. Yes. Yeah. But uh, I think that's all the questions that are directly related to this week's or that have come in in this one. I'm definitely going to need to do another more question-focused episode. Uh, next week, I'm going to be joined by another guest, Zach, who will be talking about some Marvel Star Wars from the earlier runs. Uh, thank you so much for joining me, Ilkin. Hope that you don't seem impressed by that. I just, I'm just happy that I'm not invited for that. You are invited if you want to, if you want to read two things in a row. I can't read. Well, you're, you're like also I, welcome I, to join. I can make like a, a Stormlight Archive reference right now. I asked my wife to read the book to me. <laughs> I don't know if that does anything for anyone. Well, I'm hoping, as long as Justin is absent, I'm hoping to get more guest episodes in here. Uh, hopefully still staying with books and comics as much as possible. Uh, but that'll be... I'll have uh, either a tweet out or a community post out on the exact thing we're covering at some point this week. Uh, so you'll know the exact issue numbers. But the plan is Marvel Star Wars comics. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Ilkin, for joining me. And would you like to say goodbye to the people? Not really. I, uh, I would like them to go to the other stream. Yes, that's true. Me, Ilkin, and Zach are going to be playing some Worms Armageddon, I believe. Uh, we'll be on twitch.tv slash loses. I don't know if we'll be on youtube.com slash x2 <laughs> at all, because they're, they're arguing about whether or not... So I, I've been seeing messages pop up on Facebook about like whether Zach is going to be able to, to schedule the stream or get the stream key, because Charlie is asleep. Zach can't get the, 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 the stream key. It's a whole kerfuffle that's going down, but... Go to twitch.tv slash Corey Loses if you want to see Worms Armageddon. And have